You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And we're in the day for the final day <laughs> of SEC Media Days. I'm here with my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I got to be honest. I was, uh, you know, by about 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, I was about dead tired. I did not want to get through this day. I didn't know if I could even possibly do it. But then old mm-hmm. Eli fired me up. <laughs> Sam Pittman got me going. And then Brian Harson put my ass right back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ain't that the truth, man? Eli came out guns a-blazing. He said, don't you forget about the Mizzou Tigers up here in Missouri, man. I thought he was fantastic. I thought I, I literally thought Kiffin was going to be the guy this year. Maybe the pirate. Not so fast, my friend. That belongs to the miz tigers yeah without a doubt and uh, hey before we get into you know all the crazy clips and everything like that we got to talk about the huge story here that's just hanging over not only the sec but all of college football the latest on texas and oklahoma possibly coming into the sec and i don't know if you saw this shane but uh, the sec network this morning they threw out you know, it was a completely hypothetical. They're not saying this is exactly how it's going to work out, but it was kind of like I was saying on the last show. You know, there if this happens and there's a 16-team league with Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC, mm-hmm. they're going to have to do away with divisions because I just don't know how that's going to work out. Eight teams on each side, and uh, hell, they don't even play each other now. You know, that's that's a constant theme. It's something. Dan Mullen talked about this year at Media Days, and and I think everybody's kind of fed up with it. But SEC now the uh, the morning show they threw out this idea, and you know people squabble with uh, the teams they picked. That's not really the point, but the point of what they were trying to make. I really like this idea. They're saying, you know, they're not calling it divisions, but let's just just for simplicity's sake, let's call these divisions mm-hmm. four divisions in the SEC is basically how it would work out. That would mean, obviously, there's four teams in each division, right? Yeah. And you'd you'd have to move to a nine-game conference schedule, so just one more than we already got. You play the other three teams in your division every single year, just like you do now. Mm -hmm. And then, so now you got three other divisions, and every – other year you just switch the two out you're playing and what that would do even in a 16 team league let's say you you go to Tennessee as a freshman yeah and you stay to Tennessee when you're a senior 
you will have played every single team in the SEC and you will have visited every stadium in the SEC. Uh, I don't think there's a, any better way to do it than that. That may be it, Mike. I mean, that that may be it. The The only, I guess, counter offer there is there's a lot of these guys that love these rivalries, man. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, like in years past, when we talk about the expansion of the SEC, not knowing which teams are coming in, that maybe you keep two games that each team has to play, your rivalries, and then the rest, you just, you, you rotate it. That may be an option. So I like the, I like the structure of that kind of has an NFL approach to it, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, but now you're looking at which four teams are, which is it, is it based on location? Is it, is it based on histories of the program? I don't know. There's a, there's definitely going to have to be some, some, some questions answered, but how, let me ask you, Mike, because this thing really has picked up some steam. How likely do you think this happens? Because it almost sounds like it's a done deal. Yeah, when you got the damn SEC network throwing out the possibilities, uh, you know, (laughs) they would not have gotten the green light if, um, you know, the SEC did not want this out there. Let's just say that. And you got, if you missed it, the Big 12, all the the presidents, they called an emergency meeting. Mm -hmm. And two schools failed to show up, Shane, Texas and Oklahoma. So, you know, that's troubling there. And then you got... uh, uh, state representatives out of the state of Texas that are up in arms, and apparently they're trying to to rush to, to have some kind of legislation to where Texas, you know, is not allowed to leave the conference. So, you know, I, I have no idea how if those guys are clued in at all. They may not be, but you know, we're talking Texas Tech alums and Baylor alums. They're just trying to do what they can to keep their conference together. I don't think they're going to have any say in the matter, but it is kind of hilarious. And then the only other thing that I thought was very interesting, Shane, Texas, they sent out a tweet today. Yeah. It was uh, one of those throwback Thursdays, and it was Texas beating Texas A&M the, the final time those two <laughs> played in 2011. And, I mean, what a coincidence that they're sending that out considering all the news this week. Oh. So it, it's almost there's almost too much smoke to, to not be a, a huge fire on, on the horizon. You know what? Well, I'll tell you what, the memes were firing off today, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some good ones. In fact, our buddy sent us one I thought was probably the best one. It was uh, a SWAT team that was going inside of a building. And on the back of the SWAT team, there was Texas. And then there was Oklahoma. And then on the other side, lock, keeping the door locked was a Cheeto that said Texas A&M. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that Cheeto is going to be able to keep those guys out, but uh, that does lead me to another question because there are a lot of fans that probably don't understand the legalities of sneaking into this program. But you know, this is this is this could be voted out based on a couple of programs, right? Like, isn't it? It's not a majority rule, am I correct? Well, it's got to be eleven of the fourteen, and the the historically in the SEC, uh-huh. you know, they they have an unwritten rule where if the conference wants this to happen they basically you know work behind the scenes and say every decision needs to be made all of us or none of us and we can't have one of us going out here publicly and saying you know they're not going to call out Texas A&M but they're but that's who they'd be talking to you know we can't have you out there in the media saying you know we don't want Texas we don't want Oklahoma because hell if let's say Texas A&M is the only one that that has a strong argument to not add those two Mm-hmm. they're going to add them anyway. And now you got bad blood. Yeah. This is supposed, you know, they said, you know, it's so cheesy. It means more. It just means more, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. But it truly does. And you can't have squabbling like that in the conference. You know, it's just, uh, it's just a bad look for everybody involved. So if this comes to pass, I guarantee you that it will be 14 to zero vote to allow those teams in. And I, I think they'll hear Texas A&M out. They'll give them every opportunity to make their case. But if, yeah. if they can't convince, you know, a couple other schools that this is a bad idea, uh, that it, it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And and if I'm Texas A&M, come on in, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think <laughs> if you if you pair these damn programs up right now, Texas A&M has nothing to be afraid of. 
The pipeline is thick of recruits. They've built a beautiful, beautiful stadium down there, beautiful facilities. They're they're ahead. Okay. Let let them Longhorns come in. And and, and I think, you know, it's not going to be the same song and dance that we saw when they were over there. But yeah, man. So we'll see. And like, uh, you know, kind of like Brent Zerman, who was the first one to report this news on Wednesday, you know, he said this thing was going to be coming quick. And here it is, man. I mean, I'm not saying that Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC. They're obviously not going to be in it for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. And they're probably not going to be the next two or three, if we're being honest. But I think a a deal could be ironed out and, and they could get it to where it is ironed out. It just, it'll just take a couple years due to contracts and everything. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I just, I love it, man. I mean, we went from, we went from like, I honestly, media day snuck up on me. And now it's like, Texas, Jordan, SEC. <laughs> you got Eli down there uh, firing off, you know, messages against Arkansas and the rivalry. I just, <laughs> I don't, I just love it, man. This is, we're back, baby. You know, and this is college football. We're already talking trash. We got to see some of these great athletes. Uh, I hate that it's coming to an end, but man, I'm pumped up for college football. Well, let's just get right into it, Shane. Final days, SEC media days. Only got three teams to cover here: Missouri, Arkansas, and Auburn. And we got to start with the man of the hour, Eli Drinkowitz. <laughs> um, you know, hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. Uh, So I asked Commissioner Sankey in the hallway, and he gave me a strong rebuttal by saying no comment. So we'll see where that goes. All right, Jade. So there you go, Eli Drinkwitz. He's embracing the the hate of the Longhorns already, and they're not even in the Dave Conference. So I appreciated that. But... uh, you know, the sense I got from the Missouri Tigers, and it wasn't just Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, hit my man here, Case Cook, you know, I had no idea he'd be such a personality. He was the best interview, player interview at the entire event. And even Akil Byers made me chuckle a couple times. But, you know, Missouri's just got this sense about them, you know, where they're just, the optimism is running high. The There's so much optimism in Columbia, and you can tell they're feeling good. They're you know, not to say they were ever a bad program, but honestly, they were stuck in, in kind of that middle of the of the road. And now they're eyeing Florida and Georgia. I know they're, they may be a ways from, from catching those two, but they're doing so well in recruiting. They surprised so many people on the field last year that if they manage to do that yet again this year, I mean, there is legitimate talk of them being the third program in the SEC East, don't you think? Yeah, I, absolutely, man. They they came in with a little bit of swagger, and uh, I kind of like that because you know there was a lot of there's a lot of people are counting Mizzou out, and you know COVID affected everybody last year, but I think it really hit them hard, and they didn't get out there and they didn't complain about it. They just they just did what they could with the limited roster. And I think you're going to see a different program this year. And, uh, and it all starts at quarterback, man. Yeah. I mean, even though you don't like him, Mike, I tell you, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I caught that a little bit during the list season. MIZ went hard on you, but, uh, I, I think, I think they're, they're, they're one of those teams that that's their schedule lines up beautifully and, and could be one that you're maybe we're, we should be talking more about. Yeah, you know, one thing that uh, leading up to this event, Drinkowitz, you know, he really made an emphasis to point out the fact that, uh, you know, one of the lessons he learned was, you know, you got we got to get better on the line of scrimmage to play Mm -hmm. in this league. And it's interesting that he brought an offense and a defensive lineman. So maybe that's a a clue to, you know, he thinks the strengths of his teams now and the, the leadership of his roster. So, you know, that's just something to consider. And, you know, he's almost... You know, I'd, I hate to make this comparison because there was only one Steve Spurrier, but it's almost like we got us a new one, you know what, where yeah. the guy's going to shoot from the hip. Uh, he's he's always going to uh, be an offensive-minded quarterback guy, and he's just, you know, it doesn't matter going into the season. He does not care about bullet, bulletin board material. He'll just throw it out there, and, and, the, and us and the media just eat it up. So, uh, you know, I think that really helps Missouri moving forward. But uh, – Let's kick it over to him, man, because, again, he had some great comments here on uh, learning how tough it was in his first year in the SEC. 
And then, man, some gold here with uh, being asked. He was asked time and time again, but this was his best comments when asked about the rumors about Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I don't know. I really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I might have tried to – maybe I was making an offering to the GOAT, you know, the greatest of all time, and giving him some little Debbies to not beat the hell out of us or something. I don't know. But uh, AP Stedham, WHEP, Foley, Alabama. Coach um, – I've been to Foley. You've been to Foley. Okay. Outlet malls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's correct. Lambert's <laughs> throw rolls. <laughs> You're more familiar than me, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Uh, coach, what did you learn about yourself as a head coach in, for, for the first time in the SEC? I think you learn about yourself how tough you have to be. Uh, you got to put blinders on, and whether it's wins on Saturdays or losses on the recruiting trail, there's a lot of ups and downs, and you got to keep the game face on. You got to set the, the you know leaders set the tone and drive performance for the organization, and, and you can't have bad days. And uh, you know, I think that's something that. I'm having to learn to do consistently and you know you get your butt whipped on a recruit you got to saddle up and go get another one if you get your butt whipped on Saturdays you got to go saddle up and get ready for the next opponent and whether you win or lose then the next game is going to be the most important game you play. Coach I'm curious your thoughts on the news yesterday of you know Oklahoma and Texas wanting and possibly joining the SEC. Are you setting me up to say the same line again or do you want a new one? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts on it. First off, you know, like I tell recruits all the time, we're the best league in college football and everybody wants to play there. And now you got two iconic brands that want to join too. Uh, and it's, just, it's an exclusive club and not everybody gets in. So good luck, uh, especially if A&M has anything to do with it. Um, besides, you know, uh, Ross and Jimbo, I think Jimmy Sexton doesn't want him in because he doesn't represent those two head coaches. So he might lose his leverage point there. Um, I can keep going if you want. Uh, what? Well, look, I, I have no idea how any of that stuff works. It's way above my pay grade. I coach football. I did stay. Uh, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night. I stay here, so I can't forecast the future. No idea what that's going to look like. But man, Central Michigan is going to be a tough challenge. And I know Jim McElwain's a heck of a football coach, and I got my hands full trying to beat Central Michigan. So. Worrying about when Mark Womack's going to add Texas and OU to my schedule is just a headache I can't afford. All right, Shades. So like I said, Drickowitz is <laughs> not backing down at all from, you know, the big talk. And, man, he was just trolling the hell out of Texas and Oklahoma here. And I sent that out. And, boy, let me tell you, it has caught the attention of those two fan bases. They are all up in arms. <laughs> like I said, I love it. Absolutely, man. I could just see Eli at the zoo, you know, when he gets over next to the Tigers making the faces because he knows <laughs> the Tigers ain't going to come over for another four or five years, you know. So uh, this is the kind of attitude I want for my coach. And, you know, one of the comments that I keep noticing online is just these these move, these Missouri fans, they really know what they have. Mm-hmm. And, and they're really they're really behind this coach. And I've seen some like, man, I hope he sticks around and, and, and things like that. And that's what I want, man. That's that's what that's kind of attitude I want for my coach. Just coming in there, he's changing the program. He's making them relevant, man. He is making them extremely relevant. And that's what you want to hear. I, I just I love it, man. You're right. It kind of had a little Steve Spurrier in him. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he's not as fiery on the sideline as as the old head ball coach was. But uh, that's the kind of attitude he's going to bring to the mock every time. And it seems to be uh, rubbing off on some of his players. So, uh-huh. like I said, Case Cook, he was the star of media days. If there's anybody out there that's going to profit off uh, the name, image, and likeness just based on their appearance at media days, it's going to be Case Cook. He just was uh, all over this place, but I loved it. And Akeel Byers, he even made me chuckle. So uh, let's kick it over to them. First off, I will have to say, I've been hearing about the mullets. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, is that something you're going to grow back? Uh, I don't think I'll grow back the mullet. Uh, I cherish the time we had together for those years, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking I might bring out a surprise with my facial hair this season, so just be on the lookout for something spectacular. That's all I'll say. What's something that uh, none of us know about Akeel Byers? Nothing you know about Akeel Byers. He has a self-proclaimed nickname called Two Times. He calls himself Two Times. I don't really know of anybody who has ever called him that, but 
he claims it's because he's two times bigger than everyone else. But, I mean, I'm not really buying it. But, yeah, that's, you know, two times. I don't get it. What do you think of uh, Akil's decision to, to switch his number to number zero? Kind of an odd number. I think it makes total sense. He has zero sense. So, number zero, that's <laughs> perfect. No, but uh, um, it's cool, I think, you know, to be able to, for us to be able to wear number zero, I think that's cool. Uh, so in the room next door, Coach was talking about, um, he was asked about OU and Texas and if he'd be looking forward to a new rivalry, and he shot that down following with what Natalie said about, we already have one with Arkansas. What is your opinion on them potentially joining the SEC? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I guess it would be cool, but, I mean, I wouldn't be around to play them, so I don't. But if you can't handle like a horns down gesture, I figure it'll probably be tough to play in this league. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be around to play him, so I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it. Okay, so it seems like this game you guys have with Kentucky each year seems to be an important game. Last year, obviously, you know, a big one, one of your guys' first wins in a while over them. What kind of importance do you guys put on that game? You know, second, you know, second week of the season heading to, you know, Kentucky. So kind of talk about that a little bit. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Kentucky's a hard-nosed football team. They, they've built their program off toughness and everything like that. So beating a team like that consistently is where we're trying to get to, beating the teams that are known as tough teams and gritty teams. So, and having them week two, I think, is, is awesome. It's an early test for us, and it's on the road. Uh, they're a good football team, so I'm looking forward to the challenge and being able to play an SEC game early off in the schedule. I guess granted that we played every game the schedule last year was SEC, but it being a normal season and having an SEC opponent that early, I think it's a, it's a great challenge for us and we'll kind of see where we stand. Also, Akil, uh, you guys play South Carolina. It's a trophy game. You get the big silver cup. Yes, what do sir. you do with it, you know, in between games? Where does it sit in y'all's building or uh, do you see it on a daily basis? I do see it, you know, after we got it, you know, I, I stayed with it for a little bit, you know. It, it was sitting my, it, it was literally sitting in my lap, you know, the next day in the team meeting. Uh, I actually drank some water out of it. I ain't okay, but yeah, that happened. So yeah, we see. I see it every day. I walk into the facility. It's sitting right in the front. So yeah, it means a lot. We've seen a lot on social media about uh, Eli Drinkwitz's backyard. So as someone who's who's been there, what what's it like, and what's it like to get all the teammates out there and, and have some fun? Man, his backyard is crazy. You know, he got a little pond, you got a pool, you got a fireplace, all types of things, you know. Um, I can remember one time I went, um, he got like goldfish in a little pond. So I, I was trying to catch him and I couldn't catch not one. And he, he honestly thought I was gonna fall into it, but I didn't. But um, yeah, it's a very nice backyard. Um, him having that backyard and bringing the team together and us just having bonding time, you know, is a very big thing, you know. All right, Chad. So, like I said, I mean, those comments were great. <laughs> and I got to ask you this. What are the odds that Akil Byers, I believe him, I think he drank out of that trophy, but I don't think he was drinking uh -huh. water. Do you? No, yeah, I'm drinking water too, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it feels like every year we find a player that represents this podcast. I think we may have found him early in 2021. <laughs> hey, there you go. Maybe we need to sponsor him. That's right. Yeah. Name, image, <laughs> likeness. How much How much money does he need to, to come on the podcast here? <laughs> All right, Shane. So I wanted to try something just a little bit different just because it has both these teams, Missouri and Arkansas. They call it the battle line rivalry. A lot of people, of course, don't think it's a rivalry, so I stitched these comments together. Eli Drinkowitz, Sam Pittman, and some of the players on both sides talking about the game. Let's kick it over to him. Since joining the SEC, it's not, it doesn't seem like uh, Mizzou really has a rivalry uh, in the conference. If Oklahoma joins the SEC, um, would you be excited to kind of rekindle that rivalry? I, I kind of like the rivalry we got with Arkansas. I mean, I don't remember the last time they beat us, so I, I kind of like that one. And the battle line rivalry, I mean, it's pretty good for us. So, Crud, I think we'll just keep that one right now. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, respect Sam and, and, and everything he's doing with that program. He's obviously doing a tremendous job. I'm from the state, and uh, so that makes it a little bit more special and a little added incentive. So I'm not going to speculate about anything 
just because y'all don't think it's a rivalry doesn't mean it ain't a rivalry. It means a whole heck of a lot to my household, and I know it means a whole heck of a lot to Barrett Bannister's household, and I know we like having that trophy at the end of the game, so I think we'll keep the one that the commissioner set for us. Tribune. We talked to Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz earlier today, and when he was asked about the Texas-Oklahoma news, he preferred to say he preferred the rivalry with you guys and focusing on the one he currently has. How do you evaluate the state of the Missouri versus Arkansas rivalry, and what does it mean to have that game to your program every year? I think it's a, a very good rivalry. You know, um, obviously we haven't we haven't been on the winning side of that in the last five years. Uh, I think the last time we. Beat Missouri was my last year at Arkansas as the offensive line coach. But um, certainly when Barry was a head coach over there, they, they beat, Missouri, beat Arkansas four times in a row. And so it's probably any time, it might be a little bit uh, more of a rival for the people that are getting their butt kicked, you know. Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask Eli. But we've been getting ours done, and I, you know, I love the – the fact that Missouri's close to us, uh, Eli and I are good friends, and and uh, but at the same time, we're very competitive as well. And I'm glad we look at it at Arkansas as Missouri as our number one rival. What do you think the overall state of the uh, the Mizzou Arkansas battle line rivalry is right now? Um, I don't know. I think I think it's strong, uh, especially after last year going the distance and then. Uh, Finishing with that two-point play and then them going all the way down, but I think it's, I think it's a strong rivalry right now. All right, Chad. So here's my question to you. Now we've seen so many players in this series transfer to the other school. We've seen Barry Odom and yeah. Michael Shearer, the the linebacker coach, uh, Brad Davis, the former offensive line coach, jump from Missouri to Arkansas. There's been a lot of bad blood in this thing in the last five or six years. And, hell, the last last year's game, remember, it went down to the wire. It was one of the best games of the SEC season. <laughs> and I know the fan, especially Arkansas fans, they hate to – they refuse to even acknowledge this as, as a game they, they even need to be playing. But if the coaches and the players all say it's a rivalry, yeah, I mean, don't we have to consider it a rivalry at this point or no? <laughs> I think we have to, man. And, and trust me, as a Tennessee fan, the last thing we want to mention is Vanderbilt rivalry. That's not, you know what I'm saying? I remember mm-hmm. for years it was just, we're not even, we're not even going to talk about that. But then when they start beating you, you have to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, you got to talk about the elephant in the room. The fact of the matter is Eli is one and oh against you. So, you know, if it's not a rivalry, it's slowly becoming one. Actually, I said, I shouldn't say slowly. I mean, it's here. And the fan base is fighting each other already. I love it. That that makes this game more electrifying when it does show up. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that one. But uh, let's kick it over next to the Razorbacks, Sam Pittman and company down in Hoover. And, you know, the one thing I kept hearing and it kept bugging me time and time and time again, it was like, you know, I don't like to – sit here and rail on the the SEC network often, but if they piss me off, I'm going to say something. And, you know, just about every time Sam Pittman or one of these players got done talking, they said, you know, I really like this team, but God, look at the schedule. You know, how can they get any better? And I'm racking my brain here trying to say, well, what in the hell happened last year? I mean, we, you know, they literally came out and said, this is the toughest schedule in college football history, 10-game SEC schedule. They had to face, you know, they got Georgia and Florida and all these juggernauts out of the East in addition to playing in the West. And, hell, they won three games and should have won four. I mean, they got robbed (laughs) out of the Auburn one. So what in the hell are we doing when Arkansas leads the SEC in seniors this year? You know, the line of scrimmage is going to be much improved going into year two of the Sam Pittman era. Uh, we're bringing back damn near everybody on the defensive side of the ball. And on offense, we've got some star players and a quarterback that I know he's largely inexperienced, but he's got talent. And when he has played, he has shined. Yeah. What in the hell is the problem with this SEC network saying, well, hell. And, and that's another, that's the other thing. When, you're an idiot, I think, if you just say, well, the schedule's too hard. Because we can do that going mm-hmm. into every year. And the reality is, 
until these teams go play on the field, we don't know how good this, you know, how how tough these teams are. Yeah. Uh, you can pretend that the schedule is is filled with juggernauts, but hell, you know, we thought LSU was a juggernaut last year. They went five and five. It just pissed me off. I don't know. What do you think about that? Nah, I'm I'm with you. It's the same thing every year. It's like, uh, look at South Carolina's schedule. You know what? It's a tough schedule. You look at Auburn. Guess what? They got to play Georgia. Oh my God. It's a tough schedule because they also got the West to go through. Yeah, every, every I mean, you could go down through the whole thing. Arkansas had it rough last year. They, they, I mean, they, I mean, they, the jokes, the memes that came out of that situation, and not to mention it was a thin team dealing with COVID and having to put. I mean, it was they, they had all the elements to go through, and they did it. And I don't think it's going to be easy by no means, but it's going to be a lot easier this year than it was last. And it's a senior led program. I, I expect great things from the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah. And I almost just think they see, they're like, well, hell they got to play Texas. So how can they have a winning season? But I think that I've been saying it all off season, they're going to beat Texas. And then all of a sudden that's going to change the narrative about, uh, and hell, I think if Texas was in the SEC West, they'd probably finish damn last. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. why are we sucking up to Texas when they can't even win the damn Big 12 joke of a league? You know what? <laughs> exactly. We're back. Yeah, you ain't ever been back, man. You ain't been back <laughs> since Vince Young was down there. Come on, get out of here, Texas. You ain't nothing. <laughs> well, hey, we already talked about the rivalry comments. Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman. Uh, who really went in on, uh, you know, improving that line of scrimmage or, uh, you know, the fact that uh, I credit him here. You know, he's not throwing his players under the bus, but he noted we really had to get better on the defensive line. And they addressed that with the transfer portal by, hey, again, landing two Missouri defensive linemen, <laughs> not a rivalry. You're stealing all their players here. And then uh, Illinois State defensive tackle John Ridgeway, who, to my understanding, was one of the hottest uh, prospects in the transfer report. I mean, he, he turned down about six other SEC programs to go to Arkansas. And I really love these comments here on being embraced by the Arkansas faithful. You were talking about the LSU game with so many defensive players, uh, particularly in the line, missing. Sam, what have you done to address that uh, lack of depth? I know you went to the transfer portal and picked up some guys there. I'm not sure the transfer portal is your favorite. Uh, recruiting tool, but uh, talk about adding to the depth and the talent in that defensive line. Well, number one, the players we had, we had to get better. And not only better, but bigger. I mean, we've had, like Zach Williams was playing around two and a quarter, you know, 230. You know, the guy blocking you is 330 pounds. You know, it's a mismatch. You know, he's around 265, 270 at this point. Uh, so we had to improve what we had first. And I think we did a really good job with that. We, we obviously have to recruit well. Uh, but then that was probably the only position on our team that I thought, help. We need it. And uh, we went out. And it's nothing against the ones we had. It's just we needed it either in the depth department or in starting department. And we went out, and in our opinion, got three as good uh, as good of options as anybody probably could have had in the country if they say hey I want to go out and get three okay we got these three that's we got three pretty good players coach two of those uh, players from Missouri um, what, Trey Williams is also a local kid uh, from Columbia um, what, what has he brought to your team so far and what have you seen out of him well, he's he's got leadership qualities, you know. He's a hard worker. Um, you know, Markel, you know, he's from Little Rock, you know, Parkview. Uh, I don't know if Missouri just beat us in recruiting and they want him or if we didn't – I don't know what the story was. But uh, he's, a, he's a fine player, played a lot of ball at Missouri. I know about Trey and Markel because uh, – Trey was given Isaiah Wynn and Isaiah, uh, excuse me, and Andrew Thomas fits when we'd play Missouri, and they were both first rounders, you know, and he was giving them a, you know, a tough battle. And then, of course, I knew Markel because we, at some, wherever I was, it might have been Georgia or whatever, we were interested in uh, looking at him. So the one thing about what happened is they, they're very, very hard workers. 
And of course, then John Ridgway elected going to Portal from Illinois State. He was a state champion heavyweight wrestler. He's a big old kid, you know, six five, three and a quarter, and uh, has some athletic ability. That if we can soar up that part of our defense, uh, which along with the ones we have, you know, Dorian Gerald, and I mean, there's a lot of kids that are coming back as well. Eric Gregory, Isaiah Nichols. I think we can have a fine defense. Uh, coach, I heard somebody say uh, some Arkansas fans described you as our Coach O, that you guys are similar, mm -hmm. you know, salt of the earth people. Um, Thank you. Coach, coach Line, yeah, I heard you make the joke about your ACT score in the other room a while ago. That was funny. Um, do you, do you find your kids and the fans kind of, uh, you know, uh, that attracts them to you, the way you go about things? Say again. Do, do you think your fans and your players – admire that about you and it kind of um i think anybody admires humility honesty and with that a little bit of self-confidence i think anybody you know um i always say the the man makes the man the job doesn't make the man just because i'm the head coach at arkansas has not changed me since i was the head coach at princeton high school in missouri uh, it doesn't change me as a person might change my bank account. I think people respect that, you know. Change my bank account a lot, by the way. But, but, but I think that's where, you know, I think I fit in at Arkansas because I think people feel like I'm one of them. And I want to be one of them, and I, I want to fit in at Arkansas. Um, but I, I, I think that's probably part of it, and, and I'm probably the – most well-liked three and seven coach in the history of football. And and I, I'm very grateful and thankful for that. All right, Chase, so there you got it from Pittman. And he, I mean, he's dead on. I think these fans, you know, they love him. The, the record's gotta get better, but obviously it was a 10 game schedule. You know, they would have 10 game SEC schedule. They would have added four other wins, you know, with the non-conference last year. And, and hell, imagine telling Arkansas you know, they had a realistic shot at seven wins in the damn, the, in the debut season of the Sam Pittman era, and that's why he's so popular. You know what? Absolutely, man. This is a this is a hungry program and have been for a long, long time. You know, and I don't know if Sam Pittman is the end game, but I'm telling you what, he is the guy that's definitely going to get this program back on track. He did it. He started it last year. I think they're further along than, than anyone expected. And uh, it all starts with the coach that everybody loves mm -hmm. and believes in because he believes in them. And I think that's why you had all these guys coming back because they believe in something. They believe in a goal, the mission. They believe that they're doing the groundwork for, for the years yet to come. Because I, I'm telling you one thing, Mike, and it's something we've not really talked about, but you know, this, this name image likeness is going to change a lot of things. And Arkansas has got some deep damn pockets. You know what I'm saying? Right. Have you heard of Walmart? Come on now. I'm telling you, these boys are about to get paid. And what Sam is doing is creating the groundwork for a great run. I, I truly believe it, that we're seeing, we're seeing the start of something special there in Arkansas. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that. I've forgotten the name of the business, but, uh, you know, we're about to kick it here to uh, all SEC linebacker Grant Morgan. And he said he got one of these deals. Uh, again, he said the name, but I can't remember. And it's a real estate company. Yeah. And instead of giving them, you know, a, a boatload of cash, apparently what they've done is they've given them a house and they, they've just uh, paid it off. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? So the state of Arkansas, they love this team. And uh, as soon as they turn this ship around, I mean, you're going to just see more and more of this just because they want this thing so bad to be a winner. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that, that's something you mentioned it there. Both these guys, Grant Morgan and Myron Cunningham, they both returned to Arkansas to leave it better than where they found it and, and to play for Sam Pittman. As, as one of the team's leaders, I was just wondering what it would mean to you personally to, to leave Arkansas and the program in better shape than it was when you arrived. Yeah. Um, I would say the one thing that like it means to me is like this is something that we came here to do. No one ever wants to come like and that's any school in the SEC. No one wants to come to say Auburn, right? So no one wants to go to Auburn and leave Auburn at a worse time. Like so as a player, you want to be able to come here and leave a legacy. You want to come here and say I was 31 on that team that did that. Um, 
we snapped a long SEC win streak last year. And the fact that I can say I was on that team, like I'll be able to tell everybody like, oh, we went into Mississippi State after they beat the defending national champions. Like, so that's, that's something that I want to be able to tell my kids one day, be able to tell my family. Um, so to leave a legacy, something like that, and to be saying, like we're sitting here saying we won three games last year, like we can have a chance to win more, do figure out what's, what's better um, in the eyes of everyone else. Um, to be able to say I was a part of a team like that, or I played for Sam Pittman, who knows, he could end up being a really great coach at Arkansas. So that's what, um, that's exactly how I want to leave it. Um, kind of like you said, like I want to be leave a legacy. Just uh, curious what it's like having Barry Odom as a, as a defensive coordinator at Arkansas. Yeah, um, I promise you he's the same guy here as he will be with us. Uh, he's really, uh, he's a really great leader. The way he leads is passionate, uh, it's purposeful. Um, he, the, the, the words he uses isn't anything huge. It isn't anything like he doesn't have a great, just like it's smart vocabulary, but it's the smart in him is not through his words, but it's through his passion, his purpose, and it's through his like X's and O's. When he talks football with you, you know he's one of the smartest coaches in America. And the way he explains everything, like you know he knows this works, he knows it can work, it just has to be done by us. It puts it onto us saying, all right, it's worked everywhere else he has been. Like, we need to make it work here. So um, I love the guy. I love him a lot. Like, the way he coaches us, the way he is there for us, the way he leads us. Um, but like I said, he's the same guy everywhere. He's consistent. Um, and I think that's the one thing you want a leader, no matter if it's players, coaches. You want a guy who's going to be the same guy every single day. Um, and that's exactly what he is. Depth, you mentioned that just a few moments ago, Grant. That really caught up with you last year against LSU because of COVID issues. Talk about the depth you're seeing now in both the defensive line and even in the linebacking crew. Yeah, um, it definitely did catch up to us last year. I think that was why we kind of fell off at the end of the year. Um, depth with a D-line, uh, we had to go into the transfer portal and we grabbed some guys who can play immediately and they've been done really well. Um, but that purely made our other D-linemen a lot better. Um, I haven't seen a jump like this in our D-line group um, since I've been here. The way that they've instilled what they've learned from where they came from and brought it over, and the other guys who are here already who thought it was their time saw that and go, oh, dang, I got I to gotta work hard too. I gotta go. I'm still trying to play. So that's, that's built depth purely alone. Who knows if those three transfers are going to play or not, but it made them work so much harder because of the competition around them. And we haven't had – at the D-line group, we haven't had a lot of competition just because we've kind of known who's going to be those starters, who's going to – like, and so when you don't work hard, like when you don't have that competition that you need at every position, they don't work hard. That doesn't build depth. So uh, this, this whole offseason has been really competitive for them. Um, and honestly, we couldn't tell you right now who our starting D-linemen are, which is great. I think that's awesome because I think that we have a lot of people that can be that, and that's a good problem to have when you have ones and twos, guys battling for that spot. Arkansas struggled earlier in, in your career, and, and last year seemed to be a, a change from, from the previous few. Uh, how, how important is it to leave the program in, in, a, in a better condition than it was in, in your first couple of years at, at, at Arkansas? Uh, I think it's very important. I think as a player, uh, when you come into uh, a program that's probably not doing so well, to leave it in a better standing than you found it is always uh, a great achievement. All right, Shane. So I mean, hey, it's nothing fancy. They're not trying to. They're not a bunch of smooth talkers here, but they're what they are. They're blue collar. They're hard workers. They're tough. They're physical. And I think you know, kind of like the players uh, at Missouri, you know, Drinkowitz rubbing off on them. I think Sam Pittman is certainly rubbing off on his players. What do you think about that? Yeah, man. I mean, it reminds me of my papa just going to the mines and go to work, never miss a day. <laughs> you know, just doing the grind and, and, and coming home because he knows he's got to. I, I just – I think that's the attitude that we got from these boys, and that's what I love because you look – when you look at them, you see yourselves, you know. I, I, I do. I, I don't know about you guys, but when I when I see Arkansas putting everything they got into it, it's like – I don't know. It just – it seems special. It's like those Disney movies you watch on football teams. <laughs> it's, it's like I could see some documentaries coming out of this later if all goes as planned this season. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane, final team here, the Auburn Tigers. They were the last team at SEC Media Days. And, of course, it was the Brian Harson debut at the event. And, man, I was kind of kidding, but not really. I mean, my God, the guy, 
he's a hell of a coach. I'll give him that. But he is boring as hell to talk to. And he rambled and rambled at his opening presser. I mean, no one is going to remember this if, if they go on and, and win big in the SEC. So I'm not trying to make too big of a deal out of it. But I almost really did nod off. Uh, he, he got two questions. He took about 20 minutes to answer those. So, uh, you know, not the press conference is not going to be Brian Harson's strong suit. I'll just say that. In other words, if you're driving and you've got a cup of coffee there, go ahead and take a couple more shots because you're going to need it. <laughs> but maybe that's where Auburn needs to be. You know what I mean? Uh, with You got the damn juggernaut there in state with Alabama. That's always going to be the – the elephant in the room, pun intended. And, uh, you know, Auburn is just laying in the weeds. And it just, you know, maybe it was a Gus Malzahn thing, but it seemed like whenever we were counting Auburn out, that's when they damn won the SEC. You know what? Uh, when, they were, yeah. when they're picked to, to win the West and, they, you know, people saying they got a Heisman Trophy quarterback, uh, that guy usually lasted about three weeks and uh, they were the worst team in the SEC. So yeah. maybe this is the perfect spot for the Auburn Tigers laying in the weeds. And like I said, hell, Brian Harson, yeah, you know, he probably just doesn't want to give anything away here. He's, <laughs> he's not giving any intel. Uh, you know, you can study what he did at Boise, but you got to believe it's going to be completely different now that he's got superior athletes to work with on both sides of the ball. And and maybe, just maybe, Auburn is just uh, uh, the sleeping giant that uh, that no one is going to see coming this year in the SEC because they certainly got the talent. Yeah. Now it's on these coaches to put it together. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I, you're not supposed to wow. I, I guess media days, There's we expected some coach speak, and that's what we got here with Auburn. Uh, it felt like the players had a little bit more to say than than coach itself, but uh, these guys know what's at hand. They they know that they're not – there's not a lot of expectations from them, but doesn't mean they can't shake things up in the West because, like you mentioned, they do got a lot of talent on that roster. Some saying the best – running back some mm -hmm. saying the best linebacker i mean there's there's some studs on there that are going to play on sundays you know when you have athletes like that anything's possible yeah and it was hilarious as soon as uh, harson was done this just stuck it stood out to me uh greg mcelroy the the sec network analyst uh-huh he was like wow just as i expected business as usual and I was, like, I was like, this is media day. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? We want, imagine if Drinkowitz was business as usual. We'd, we'd be nothing to damn talk about. You know what? Oh, I know, man. I love it. But I, I love the fiery young coaches. I, th I think of Beamer. I think of mm -hmm. uh, Eli. You know, just these guys come out, man. They want to be something. They want to be, yeah, they want to be special. So I, I think that's important because that's, there's nothing else going on. Media days, I know. I mean, look at our YouTube channel, man. <laughs> the the videos. I've never seen so many people watching Coach talk at a mic. I mean, they're just that hungry for football right now. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, let's kick it over to, you know, I scraped hard to find some quality content here from Brian Harson, And he talked about the offensive line. They do have seven guys returning with starting experience, so they're trying to work that out in camp. And then, of course, you know, let's not overlook the fact that uh, they added TJ Tank Finley from LSU. Mm -hmm. He's now on the on the roster down here at Auburn. And, you know, I am a lot higher on Bo Nix than some people, but it's like a running joke to make fun of the, the kid, even though he's done so much in the SEC. But if he can't get it done, they got a quality option there with uh, Tank Finley. So let's kick it over to Brian Harson. You got seven returning starters on the offensive line. How long is it going to take you to sort out who your five starters are going to be? And when would you like to, you know, what's going to be the process for getting that done? Yeah, well, we got to do it sooner than later. I know that we've already been in the process of that, watching these guys this summer. You, you watch them in training. You watch how they lift. You see the strength development uh, that they're making. And you get a pretty good idea of the guys that are, are really putting themselves in a position to compete and be the starters. Uh, you know, Nick Brahms is a guy that played center for us. He's leading, does a great job um, in all the workouts. Um, he is a leader on our team. And so, you know, there's a guy that, that's going to be playing for us uh, at that center position. And, and there's going to be a lot of competition because I've seen, you know, from all of our, our O-line and D-line in particular, one thing about Coach Pittman's program uh, and being an XO lineman himself, right? The O line and D line, there's a there's a lot of focus on that. The strength, the power, 
uh, the short area quickness, the things that we have to have to really be uh, elite in those two areas uh, has been a major focus. So our guys have gotten bigger, they've gotten stronger, uh, which we need up front on both sides. And when we get into that first week, you know, usually how our camp works, uh, we have a couple days where we're split. We have some of the new guys selected vets in one practice. We have the returners in another, um, some of our veteran players, and then we bring everybody together. And we have a scrimmage on day eight, and after that scrimmage, you got a pretty good idea of where you're going with your two deep. And then you have one more, and you're kind of finalizing your two deep, you're finalizing some of the special teams, and you start getting into game prep. So these guys are gonna have you know, 12 to 14, or excuse me, 12 to, to 16 to 17 practices and, and you're going to be using a different combination of O-line because you want to see guys can play guard and play tackle because you need that. Uh, and that's important to me. One year um, at Boise State, we were 12 and one, but we had, uh, I think we we're 13 and one, but we had 11 different combinations on the O-line just because of injuries and different things. So you want to train guys where they can play tackle, play guard, you have your center position. Um, and what you do is you, you want to get those, uh, certainly five, but you want to get those seven that you really have in the rotation and, and who's the next best to go in there. And sometimes you got to move a, an, a player that's in out to tackle and bring in this next guy that might be a guard. And, and that, that's what Coach Friend, um, our offensive staff, that's what they focus on. We had a meeting about that the other day, and, and Coach Friend's got a great handle on it, you know, how he wants to do that. And, and so we'll start getting to that fairly quickly in camp. Coach Bill Cameron, ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Uh, you've obviously got Bo here with you. You brought in T.J. Finley through the transfer portal. Uh, is there a quarterback? Will there be a quarterback competition? What do you expect from those two and your offense? Let me just say this. Every year that I've coached quarterbacks, there's a quarterback competition, all right? And here's what I mean by that. You have, you have your returners. They've played. They've proven themselves. They've been in games and all that. But you also have guys that are hungry to play and they've also been working. They don't want to be backups. They're doing whatever they can to get on the field. We're going to have a pecking order. Bo will start when we get out into camp. He'll be the first guy that rolls out there. There's a pecking order. Uh, TJ Finley is going to have his chance to run with the ones as well. Grant Loy will have his chance to run with the ones as well. I've always done it that way. And then we'll find out with those reps how those guys uh, execute, how those guys handle uh, that group. And, and then what do they deserve from there? And it's going to be at every position. Uh, and so, you know, that's always, is there a controversy, anything like that? No, I mean, there's not, there's not a controversy on our team, but there's competition every single day. And, you know, my job as the head coach is to play the best players. And the best players are the ones that go out there and take advantage of the opportunities that they get from the coaching staff and they maximize it. Those guys have no control over that. The quarterback, I control that. Coach Bobo controls that. You're going to get 10 reps, maximize them. You're going to get five, make the most out of them. And, you know, when guys start worrying about that, I think that comes from so much external and, and other people in their lives. Like, you're not getting this, you're not getting that. Well, what are you getting? And that's my job is to make sure they understand, no, this is what you are getting. This is what you have today. Maximize it. And this is what we want to see from you. Uh, and so TJ has done a really good job. I've, I've liked uh, just his whole approach. He's come in. He's really dove into just uh, getting into that playbook and understanding the details of what we're trying to accomplish, getting players out there, throwing with them, uh, trying to do everything he can to put himself in a position uh, to go out there and compete. And, and if he uh, has an opportunity to play, that he's ready for it. And the other guys have done the same thing. And so that is my full expectation of every player on this team uh, to not come into a camp and be like, I'm good. You know, right? Come into camp and get better and prepare and know that you've got somebody on your team that hey, you love and appreciate and all that, but he's nipping at your heels now. And he wants to play too. As, when you have that as a coach, when you got three deep and everybody's competitive and everybody's good, you bring out the best in every one of your players. And I think that's what you, know, you want to create, depth and competition on the football team. I like his message, though. He does, you know, he gives, know. He gives long-winded answers, but at least they're detailed football stuff. But, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely not the most enthusiastic coach. But 
like I said, hell, that's not what they need. They need a damn football coach down there. They need someone that's going to develop this talent, particularly on the offensive line and at quarterback, because Gus Malzahn, you know, let's not kid ourselves. He was a great recruiter. And at times, yeah. you know, he's a really good overall coach, but he just was not getting it done at the quarterback position, was not getting it done with the offensive line. And, you know, those are two of the most important positions in football. So if Brian Harson can get that done, Auburn is going to be better immediately this year on the field. Let me ask you, man, I, I, I was joking earlier. I, I think the big one is the quarterback room is – yeah, and I know people are hard on Bo, and there's been a lot on his shoulders, and I think a lot of that had to do with had more to do with Gus Malzahn than it did anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got Mike down there whispering in his ear, hopefully making him a better quarterback. Do you do you think that this gap between him and TJ is is big, or do you think that it do we do we really have a quarterback competition down here? Yeah, the more I think about it, I do not think we do. But I certainly think that uh, Tank Finley's got the talent that, like I said, if Bo struggles, that they'll turn to him. Mm-hmm. But, hell, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I'm on an island here because uh, when I watch Bo Nix, I know you know half the time you, you scratch your head saying, what the hell is he doing? But yeah. the other half, I mean, he's borderline amazing. So, yeah. uh, I mean, go back and, and, you know, people are probably snickering right now, but go back and watch that Texas A&M game. Remember, he that's the game where – you know, he about got sacked and the guy jumping on his head and he's like throwing him off and he made like (laughs) four or five guys miss and he scores a touchdown. Uh, I mean, he has got a ton of pure talent, but you know, his, his mechanics and his presence in the pocket needs work. And that's, that's called coaching brother because he's out there relying purely on talent and they have not been able to coach him up. And it goes back to what you're saying. You know, you, you, well, both of us have been, pointing the finger at Gus Malzahn, but let's not forget Chad Morris was his coordinator and quarterback coach too. So, I mean, it can only go up from Chad Morris. So, yeah, yeah, I I think Bo Nix, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be all American this year or anything, but I think he's going to be one of the most pleasant surprises in the SEC. And instead of being a weakness at times, like he was uh, against South Carolina last year, I think he's going to be one of the strengths of the Auburn team. Absolutely, man. I th- and I think that's what they're going to focus more on is just breaking some bad habits. Mm-hmm. Throw before running. And, and a lot of times if you watch him, he was quick to just not go through progressions and just get, you know, rely on those legs. And it got him in trouble a few times last year. Well, let's kick it over to Bo Shade, who, uh, you know, he had the comments of the day. If you want to talk about the Auburn Tigers, they ain't scared of Alabama and Owen Popo, the linebacker, outstanding linebacker, he talked about uh, what it's like playing in Derek Mason's scheme and what that's going to look like. Yeah. And on fank, uh, facing Tank Bigsby in practice. I mean, my goodness, could you imagine trying to tackle that man in practice? No. Hey, Bo, you guys have gotten your first summer offseason under Coach Harson. Um, how have the changes been and how have y'all adjusted to um, working under Coach Harson? Uh, the changes have been great. Um, it's been very smooth. Uh, Coach Harshan is huge with the, the small details and, and the discipline that goes into having a, running a football program. That's helped us tremendously. Um, I think that guys have responded really well. Obviously, there's, there's always something that could be changed and could be done better. Um, and so our guys are learning and adapting to that and um, just continue to trust the coaches, what they're telling us to do, um, learning the new schemes, offense and defense, special teams. Uh, which is going to be important for our success moving forward. But this summer, the workouts have been tough. Um, we run stadiums now, um, and that's that's really tough. Um, Owen and I actually ran it before we came up here, so uh, we made sure not to skip out on that. Um, but that's just going to only help our development. And um, it's tough now, so that maybe we can gain an advantage in the future um, in the fourth quarters, overtimes, and those tough games when um, both teams are, are tired and exhausted and who can push through it the most. Um, kind of a two-parter right here. First of all, uh, Tony Fair uh, posted on social media that he's coming to take the head off the elephant. I just wanted to know what your, uh, I guess, reaction to that remark was. And also, do you have a little bit more confidence going into the Iron Bowl now that it's coming back to Auburn this year? You, you guys have had a lot of success with that game when it's at home yeah. in recent years as well. Well, first of all, um, I had a lot of 
confidence going into Tuscaloosa last year. I don't think the um, location changed my confidence or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I was probably more excited to go to Tuscaloosa um, just because of how hard it was going to be and how difficult it was going to be. Um, and another thing, Tony, he, he transferred um, into us. And um, that quote, obviously, it's a confident quote. But I hope he's coming to take the head off the elephant. I hope he's not coming to get the head taken off the tiger. Um, so that's really important. But I think that um, actually, I like the quote. I think it's important because we're not scared of Alabama. I know that um, a lot of people want us to be scared, but we're really not. Um, and they had a great team last year. They beat us um, last year head to head. Uh, they beat us pretty bad. But um, that game was close at the beginning, and it was honestly closer than they had played. Um, and there at the end, they just did what they do. Um, and, and they obviously, they had a great team, so they continued to just build on that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm happy he said that because everybody at Auburn should come in with the mindset of beating Alabama. Um, and that's just important to us. It's important to me. Um, obviously, I understand how it is beating them in 2019. And um, we have a lot of guys on our team that's beating them. So uh, moving forward, um, especially this year, having it back home, um, obviously, it is exciting to play the Iron Bowl um, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's going to be one of the um, biggest, loudest games of the year. It always is. Um, and so we're just excited. And um, I think there's a mutual respect between Auburn and Alabama. I think they know that they're going to Alabama to beat Auburn, and we are going to Auburn to beat Alabama. Um, and both games, or all the games are always respectful. Um, it's fair. Um, and both sides appreciate the other for what they have to go through. Um, but for Auburn, we are here to, um, to win those big games and, and to take the head off the elephant. Oh, Owen, what type of defense has been implemented with the new coaching staff? And are you getting comfortable? Uh, running a 3-4 base. Uh, we also got some four down stuff that has been installed too. Um, but the defense, it's been going good. Uh, spring went really good for us. It was a lot of similarities to Kevin Steele's defense, so guys kind of just picked up on everything really fast. So the transition went uh, very smooth. Um, going to be able to play fast, uh, show a lot of range. Uh, as a linebacker, for me, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I actually love it, man. Um, being able to just run out there and make a lot of plays, uh, match up on tight ends and receivers if I need to, play man-to-man -man on running backs. Uh, just be able to show a lot of versatility in the defense, uh, a lot of pressures too. So uh, it's, it's going to look really good. Station, kind of going off that uh, theme, what, what are your guys' expectations uh, as a defense this year in the, in the first year? Uh, really, really just um, improved from last year. Uh, I know last year we had a lot of trouble on third down, uh, so a big emphasis for us was um, before even third down, just improving on our first down and second down defense, creating those third and long situations so that we'll be able to be more versatile with you know play calling, uh, send a lot of exotic pressures or whatever. So. Um, Hey, Owen, uh, you go up against Tank in practice all the time. He's looked at as one of the top returning running backs in the nation, if not the best. Uh, how tough is it to bring him down when he really gets going, and what are some expectations you have for him this year? Yeah, when he gets going, man, you got to gotta bring your game, man, and uh, man, you really just put your body on him. You know what I'm saying? We'd be able to get him down in practice, though. <laughs> uh, but, no, nah, he, he's a great back. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot of good things for us this year, uh, just build upon what he's already done. And uh, truly, man, he's a, he's a special player. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm excited to see what he does this year. What have you seen, you know, going up against him in practice, what have you seen from Bo Nix's progression? And is it an advantage for you guys to have a, a veteran quarterback with experience in this league? Yeah, it's, it's a huge advantage for anybody to have a, you know, a veteran quarterback come back. But um, um, what I've noticed, he's been uh, more calm. You know what I'm saying? He seems uh, really more comfortable in this offense, even though we're just now learning it. But he seemed to uh, pick up on everything really fast. Um, going through his progression is good. Um, shoot, he's, he's even uh, helping out TJ sometimes, too. But um, I mean, I think I think uh, he's really gonna have a, a better season this year. All right, Chase. So hey, Bo Nix and Auburn, they ain't scared. <laughs> and you know, maybe he's got a point because uh, the last, I believe, the last two times they played at Auburn, the Iron Bowl at Auburn, uh, Auburn's won yeah. that game. You know, uh, all I'm picturing is Nick Saban in his uh, lake bath and, and just pop it up and say, get all that media guy and get that clip and save that for me because we're going to need some rat poison when we get a little bit closer to the Iron Bowl. <laughs> oh, man, there's going to be a lot of tiger heads laying around at that game. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's bulletin board material already. That means oh, yeah. They, they are counting down to the Iron Bowl if they weren't already. Hell, we, we knew they already were, but uh, – yeah, I I, but, I just thought but, that was great. I joke, but it's expected. Auburn's not a cake t 
team. They should never be a cupcake team. They should be competing for national championships. I mean, they're a story program and they've been down. I, I, I think that this is, I joke, but man, that's what I want my players to say. The coach didn't say it, but the, the kids are out here, you know, Hey man, it's our time. So that's the attitude I want from the locker room that they can beat Alabama, you know, whether that's going to happen or not, we'll find out, but it starts with the belief in the locker room. And, and it starts with your, it starts with your quarterback and Bo's, you know, he, he sounds like he's ready, man. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, hey, yeah, that's going to wrap up our coverage of SEC Media Days. We covered all 14 teams. You know, point me to uh, an SEC podcast that's doing that. I don't I don't know of one, but uh, if you appreciated all this coverage, you know, please give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, and we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. And uh, we've said it many times this week, and you guys have stepped up. You've responded. Uh, you know, check us out on YouTube. That's growing. We're, we're starting to put a ton of content and there's going to be a yeah. lot more content coming on the YouTube page. And, and the show is uh, absolutely ad free on YouTube. So we're trying to really build that for the coming season. But uh, you got anything, Shane, before we hop off here? No, Mike, man, I tell you what, it's been a while since we put four shows together in one week. So I, I'm pumped up. I'm excited. Like I said, I got all my gear ready. Um, I, I just, the YouTube channel, I, I think that's the big one, man. I, I think half those views were me <laughs> just <laughs> clicking around and watching, you know, cause you hear some of these coaches, you hear some of these players, but it's, it's kind of cool watching them too. You know, these, it, it was just so much emotion down there in Hoover this week. And, uh, I think that's going to spill into the college football season fans. I I've never seen so much fan interaction in my life. You know, we've got a lot of fans that didn't get to go to these home games last year. They're going to get to go to it this season. Uh, I've just, I'm pumped up, Mike. I, I couldn't sleep last night. I was like a kid to candy. I was just thinking about college football and all the things we're going to get to see. Um, and, and, of course, the news and everything. I know a lot of you guys are going to work right now. As soon as we get this news, we're going to bunch it up together and hopefully uh, be a little bit more consistent on our shows. Right, Mike? I, I mean, it's, it's pretty much on now, right? Yeah, I mean, we're talking uh, training camp is going to be just around the corner. We're a uh, week, week and a half away. That thing's going to be kicking off all across the SEC. So the news is going to just continue to flow, and uh, we'll be all over it coming to you guys. Uh, like I said, on the podcast, on the YouTube, and everything like that. So uh, stick with us, and uh, it's going to be one hell of a season. Well, brother, that's all I got. Going to do a little deep sea fishing this weekend, Mike. Uh, so hopefully I don't get lost out there at sea <laughs> with that Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Hook it tomorrow. I just know I'm going to get sick in about two hours. I got like these patches and everything Doc gave me. I asked him if I could drink. He said, he looked at me. I was like, I'll take that as a no, but <laughs> if I did. <laughs> so it's the first time I've done that, and uh, we're going to have a blast this weekend. But uh, hopefully I survive, and I'll come back next week. We'll be able to start potting it up more consistent. Absolutely. Well, Shane, I appreciate you hopping on the line. I appreciate each and every one of you. For hanging out with us. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs>